0: Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 24th of October. It's one minute past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna and I'm taking you through to 9.30 this morning. As always, a very big thank you to the Solidarity Breakfast crew for yet another wonderful and informative program this morning. Of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We are on Twitter and Facebook, so you can also follow news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region on those two social media platforms. And, of course, being committed and dedicated to the struggle and the plight of the working class people across the world, the only news in current affairs that you're going to get on our websites and our social media platforms are those relating to workers' struggles across the Asia-Pacific region. So definitely follow that up. Coming up on today's program in the second part of the show, I'll be speaking with Palestinian activist and socialist Reem Yunus. We'll be talking about, of course, what is happening in Palestine at the moment and some of the um, unhinged comments, I think, that um, Netanyahu has been making. But, you know, of course, this man has a lot of power, so... Comments that bear no um, resemblance to reality or history have a massive, massive impact on the ground. And of course, the, um, the increase in violence um, across the Palestinian territories, that is the conversation we'll be having in the second part of the show. But as always, first up on today's program, news from around the region, and we'll start right here in Australia with Australia's barbaric treatment of asylum seekers, um, which has led to another death. Australia's anti-asylum seeker policies are some of the harshest in the world, with many asylum seekers remaining in detention for years. This week saw the inhumane debacle of a Somali woman incarcerated in Nauru being shuttled to Australia and back again, but not receiving the medical care she so desperately needed. Of course, that woman who, uh, as many people have been following that story, saw an abortion after she was raped um, on Nauru. And she still hasn't received that. In another case, an Afghani man burned himself to death in Melbourne due to his inability to legally work in Australia and his fear of being deported back to Afghanistan. He's not the first person to die this way and protests against these policies are ongoing in many Australian capital cities. Moving now to Turkey. Workers win the right to form their own union after a bitter struggle. While the political situation in Turkey is becoming ever more difficult for labour and human rights activists, the fight by workers for better wages and conditions continues. Almost a year ago, 14 workers employed at SF Leather were sacked because they joined a union and tried to unionise their workplace. SF Leather is a major supplier to the luxury handbag and clothing retailer Mulberry. This week, after actions all around the world, the sat workers won the right to belong to a union and were able to hold a union meeting inside the factory. The absence of independent unions in many workplaces in Turkey leads to many workers being killed at their workplace every year. And in Iran, as we have reported previously, the death of Shahrok Zamani while in jail sparked protest actions all around the world. This year has seen an increase in actions by workers in Iran, with teachers taking the lead in organising actions. Unfortunately, the repression by the Iranian government continues as it tries to stop the growth of United Workers movement. This week, Mahmoud Langroudi, a member of the Iranian Teachers Trade Association, was jailed once again. While well, Mahmoud Salehi, a long-time labour activist, was handed an additional sentence of nine years. In India, a shocking video of a migrant labourer being mercilessly thrashed, even as some people smiled at him and hurled abuses at him in, Pune- in Punjabi has surfaced, so that video has surfaced. The man's identified as Ram Singh. He died apparently of unbearable pain and injuries caused by the beating. The th- the 34-minute video of Ram Singh being given a thrashing with iron pipes shows him hanging from a pulley, apparently in the same factory where he worked. The incident was openly recorded by someone present at the spot and later parts of it were leaked. The man, so the reason for the thrashing, this man is accused of having stolen from the factory in which he worked. He died, as I mentioned before, from those injuries. And in South Korea, the supporters... Um, for the health and rights of people in the semiconductor industry. That's a group that goes by the acronym SHARPS. So SHARPS and their supporters began a sit-in in in front of the Samsung Electronics Company, um, the corporate headquarters in Seoul on October the 7th. And Samsung is the world's largest technology company. The reason for the sit-in is because Samsung decided to uh, put on hold indefinitely negotiations with an arbitrary body. Uh, The Associations were aimed at finalising demands by victims of the company's occupational disaster cluster. There are two major points of contention between Samsung and Sharps. First, Samsung said it would set aside um, Korean won, uh, 100 billion Korean won, which is about 1 billion US dollars for victims reparations. However, that amount alone is unlikely to sufficiently compensate even the 293 victims that have been profiled on Sharp's website. doesn't account for those yet unaccounted for. So Sharps um, have been trying to document the number of workplace, um, the occupational injuries and fatalities caused by um, Samsung and other electronic and semiconductor um, industry companies. So um, the second point in contention is that Samsung remains adamant um, against instituting a publicly verifiable audit and inspection system for workers' safety. We've been bringing you quite a number of stories about the um, occupational health and safety standards in the semiconductor industry in um, Korea and in other parts of Asia, so China and Taiwan particularly. So these are the companies that make your mobile phones um, and... And other small electronic gadgets um, and workers die literally at their benches because of the hours of work, the chemicals that are used in manufacturing. So that's an update on where that campaign's at. Looking now at Fiji. The rights of workers in Fiji are to come under the scrutiny of the International Labour Organization at the end of this month. Earlier in the year, the ILO deferred an investigation into possible labour rights infringements to allow the government time to change legislation and policy. There is now disagreement over whether this has been done. Last week, the two big unions in Fiji refused to sign an ILO-required joint implementation report. The Fiji Islands Council of Trade Unions and the Fiji Trade Union Congress want the ILO to examine if the government is infringing on workers' rights at their next meeting in Geneva. The Fiji Island Council of Trade Unions General Secretary Atar Singh says that they're concerned about how broad the government has defined essential services, which he says restricts strike action. Atar Singh says there are also potential restrictions on the right to freedom of association. He says the government has not done enough. And our last story comes from India. The Bridgestone auto worker struggle intensifies with a massive demonstration at the company gate, which is now on its 24th day of struggle. Workers and union leaders of Maruti, Honda, Telbros, Endurance, Asti, Manjal Shoa, Ruskin, Shiram Engineering, FCC Rico, and Sunbeam so, massive, massive numbers of workers um, from different factories um, stood in solidarity with the Bridgestone workers police and local bouncers and vigil and vigilantes from maruti were also present um on the 16th of this month <clears throat> the workers had another tripartite meeting at the labor department but the struggle workers, the struggling workers are determined to continue with the indefinite strike and their struggle for union formation and against illegal lockouts, dismissals and transfers. So those workers are standing defiant and strong. It is ten minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. That's the end of the news from around the region. I'm going to go to some community announcements and then a track um, This Is My Country by Tommy Lewis. Um, And then in the second part of the program, I'll be speaking with Reem Yunus, a Palestinian and socialist activist.
2: The New International Bookshop, Melbourne's famous left-wing bookshop, We stock the widest range of left-wing literature and merchandise, as well as heaps of cheap quality second-hand books. Visit NIBS at Trades Hall, 54 Victoria Street, Carlton, or online at www.newinternationalbookshop.org.au. Coming up at Trades Hall, on Tuesday, October 22nd from 7pm, left historian Stuart McIntyre will talk about his new book, Australia's boldest experiment, war and reconstruction in the 1940s. The new International Bookshop is a 3CR supporter.
1: This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses' Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses' dispute in 1986...
2: Well, this is my country, I belong to no other. Yeah, this is my country, it's beautiful, like my mother. It's beautiful, like my mother Well, this is my country I belong to no other Yeah, this is my country It's beautiful, like my mother, it's beautiful, like my mother. to the sea from the desert to the forest all this belongs to me I love and respect it because this is my country I belong to no other and this is my country it's beautiful like my mother She's beautiful. She's beautiful, like my mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This so is all my country. Like and this is my country. And this is my country. Banksia, they're all my family, because this is my country, I belong to no other, yeah, this is my country, it's beautiful, like my mother, it's beautiful, like my mother, it's beautiful, it's my mother country. I belong to no other. I got my passport. Yeah, this is my country. It's beautiful, like my mother. It's beautiful, like my mother. It's beautiful, like my sister. It's beautiful, like my brother. It's beautiful, like my brother. It's beautiful, yeah, like my mother. It's beautiful, it's my mother. Hi, this is Mitchell from Cut Copy, and you're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio. Subscribe now.
0: It is 16 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. I'm Giselle Hanna. Um, as many listeners will no doubt be aware, we've noticed an increase in the violence um, and the assaults on the Palestinian people um, across the Palestinian territories in Israel. Um, The violence is constant, but there has certainly been a noticeable increase. And to discuss this more with me, Reem Yunus, a socialist and Palestinian activist. Welcome, Reem. Thank you for having me what What would you say accounts for the increase in violence? Of course, we should really talk about how bad we think things are in Palestine. I've been reading that um people certainly people on the ground are talking about the potential for a third intifada.
1: Yes, that is correct. um actually, the people in the ground there on the ground there many of them are already calling it. Uh, Intifada. I've seen the people in the East Jerusalem who tweet from their uh, uh, postings. They would say it's the third Intifada, but they specifically call it Al-Quds Intifada um, because it had the impetus of the attacks on um, Jerusalem in in particular and Al-Aqsa Mosque. Um, But some others are cautious and they say, I don't want to label it names. Um, Despite all that, they... uh, even those who are cautious, they say, "Intifada or not?" Because, as all our audience know, "Intifada" is a is an is an Arab word that became came into the English language thanks to the many uprising. It means uprising uh, of the Palestinians people. So the, the 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 activists there they tell me that it is something big. It is something different. It is something um, as a response for the decades and decades and decades of Oslo sellout from our own um, Palestinian leadership, which is the official Palestinian Authority that people know, PA, plus the vicious Israeli incursions and um, arrests and um, bantustans and the wall and the settlements and the settlements, harassments and... The Judaization of the uh, East Jerusalem and uh, like the people are completely impoverished and disillusioned, disillusioned by Oslo and angered by everything that's happening um, to them and they don't want to be helpless anymore
0: of course we we must comment on Netanyahu's recent remarks about who is responsible for the jewish holocaust um during um the 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 forties um what i mean it, it's it, it it is unspeakable. It's very hard yeah. to talk about. Obviously, I mean, it's what absurd, do you? What yeah. do you? It, it is. It's absurd. But of course, it is political. It's tactical. It is intentional. He didn't accidentally stumble yeah, across yeah. saying that um, the Jewish people are the ones who convinced Hitler to um, to annihilate uh, mean, the Jewish uh, people.
1: Yeah, you meant you meant to say the. I mean, Al Husseini, the Muslim people of Palestine, are the ones who convinced Hitler. Burn the
0: yes, sorry, um, that is exactly what I
1: yeah, yeah, meant and, to say. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you meant. Um, uh, so you want my comment on it? Uh, well, as we agree, and everybody agrees, it's, it's absurd actually. <clears throat> the, the social media, whether Israeli social media or Arab Palestinian social media, they are ablaze with memes mocking Netanyahu uh, for saying that. Um I just found the most actually um, eloquent uh, response um, from um, an Israeli website who is run by Progressive, Plus972. And um, the author, I can't remember his name now, just read it um, in the morning. He has been saying that if Netanyahu, uh, who is actually um, a son of... um, a Jewish family who comes from Europe. Of course, the, all the Israeli Zionist Jews who came are the, are the, are the Europeans uh, migrants who came uh, during and after World War Two. If he is saying that, then he is in effect saying uh, that the Holocaust. He's like a, a basically a Holocaust denier. Like he's he's not saying that uh, the Nazis didn't really intend. To kill the Jews, it's, it's the Palestinians who pushed them um, to do that. When when the Mufti met him in 1941, and and the author went into uh, great length to say that even even though the Mufti when uh, saw him one time, which was the first time and last time in 1941, uh, all the previous years of um, Hitler's reign was the, the the years of killing and. Uh, prosecuting and uh, the, the Jews in, uh, in Germany and in Europe afterwards when World War II started. So um, basically, as you said, there is a political um, understanding from it. What we're seeing is a, a panicked Israeli society who were raised to think that Palestinians are less than human, we can do everything to them, They had the PA to be in their pocket as as their collaborators and, uh, and, you know, the security coordination with Israel and everything. And they had felt safe since Oslo, and specifically after Abbas took power in in 2004. And all of a sudden they are panicking. They go on the bus, they go in the street, and they are panicking um, from um, the, the... the few operations uh, or that the Palestinians done or may have done, because we don't know there are many of them are fabricated, even the stabbings. So there is a panicking society, and he wants to assure them that he can uh, clamp down on that. And when he wanted to clamp down by brute force, as he usually does, or every leader, Israeli leader does, it's not stopping. It's been now 20, 23, 24 days since 1st of October, and there are hotspots of confrontations everywhere, not just the West. It started in Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, which was the most affected in the Judaization and colonization and ethnic cleansing. Um, <clears throat> but it is in, in, in different hotspots Uh, In in, uh, basically Hebron, um, near Ramallah and Albire, there is um, Beit Il, which is um, uh, a settlement. These uh, uh, settlements that are built in every single, between every single two streets, maybe if I can say, uh, they're not uh, innocent civilians, the most fanatic Zionists live there, and they are armed, and they attack and harass and, and run, uh, run Palestinian kids by, uh, by their cars, and they shoot easily. Uh, this kind of situation, uh, he's clamping down on all that, uh, um, uh, let's call it uprising, or let's call it whatever, rebellion from uh, or resistance from the Palestinians in everywhere, even inside what they call Israel proper, and I call it Palestine 48, and they are not stopping. It's 24 days. What would he else say? So in a, in a speech in, a, in, a, in that Congress, Zionist, well, uh, Zionist Congress, last Tuesday, uh, he said basically that we are worse than Hitler. Hitler only wanted to expel them, but Mufti told him, ah, oh, why expel them? Then they will come to us, to Palestine. Uh, burn them. Oh, my God. It is... it, it, actually, he's making them Making the Palestinians more demonized, so that the Israelis will will have more uh, of a of, um, you know their settlers they will will attack more. I mean they are attacking, they are fanatics. But it, the, the attacks, yeah.
0: No, I mean. Uh, go on, go on. Yeah, it is a very interesting comment in the global context of the rise of fascism, I think, given that we are seeing um, groups like Pegida and um, other fascist movements, Golden Dawn across Europe, oh, particularly, yeah, I look, I look targeted, particularly targeted at Muslim people. And we are slowly losing the memory of you know, following, following the revelations of what happened um, in Nazi Germany in relation to the Jewish people and the comments, never again. So never again this level of annihilation of, of peoples. Um, we are losing that memory. And to rewrite history and say that Muslim people are responsible for it, I think, it, I think if that gets traction, we're in a very, very dire and serious situation. Yeah,
1: yeah, true. Like, how can you clamp down on your enemy if you don't dehumanize them and demonize them and make them an easy target for the whole world? If, they, if we are worse than Hitler, then, OK, killing us is, becomes easier for for the ordinary Joe in the street. Um, uh, yeah, but the Palestinians, of course, um, it's not just like uh, the racism is not just uh, against um Muslim, but it's Palestinian Muslims, the Palestinian Christians as well, though. Of course, They are, of uh, course. Uh, are targeted in Palestine,
0: yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, what I'm noticing as a, an increase in a progressive movement in Israel. You know, I've spoken with you many times and we've looked at um, the growing racism and, and hostility in Israel, but I am wondering if the tide is slowly turning on that.
1: Uh well, um I will be skeptical about this. Um, Israel is inherently racist and those people who are progressive are still, unfortunately, in in within the Israelis are on the fringe of the fringe. Um, like, look I I personally um remember the poetry of Mahmoud Darwish, our prominent poet, uh who said who described the Israelis when they were um the Palestinians, the PLO then it was called the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Back in nineteen eighty two that we were besieged, the Palestinians, I mean, we were besieged in uh Beirut, Lebanon. Um that was our last year in, in Beirut as a as a, um, as factions and, and Palestinian project uh of part of it part uh Uh, armed struggle, part of its resistance, he said to the Israelis who were besieging them that we are writing to you from Beirut to ask you, and he's addressing the Israeli soldier, which one of us is besieging the other? Um, uh, uh, Later in that year, he was asked about what he meant by that piece of poetry. Why did you address it to the Israeli? What do you mean by who is besieging the other? He said because we, the Palestinians, have the project of liberation, so at least we are not besieged because we have that hope of liberation. But the Israeli, who was born in a tank, got educated at school in a tank, had children and got married and uh, had his uh, community in a tank, we are more freer than him. He is is the one who is besieged. So this military... um, hostage mentality that is like indoctrinated in every Israeli within the education system and the media, uh, which makes like after every one of these major wars um, and uh, brutal, I I would call them aggressive attacks like um, Operation Castle back back in 2008, 2009 and uh, 2012 and 2014 last year, in all of them. The statistics of the Israeli society says that more than 70% uh, agree with what Israel did to the Palestinians, and they are cheering for killing the Palestinians. Um, I mean... uh... I, I think I, I answered your question. I'm uh, Absolutely.
0: Reem, yeah. unfortunately, we've run out of time. Thank you okay. so much for your time on the program this morning. Of course, Asia Pacific Currents will continue to advertise and publicise upcoming um, demonstrations opposing the slaughter of the Palestinian people. Reem, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. That was Reem Yunus. She is a socialist and activist um, and a Palestinian um, and she is based here in Australia and we were talking about um, the current um, increased assault on the Palestinian people by Israel. It is 9.30. It is the end of Asia Pacific Currents for this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday from nine o'clock and coming up next is Palestine Remembered.